in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This parable of the wicked vine dressers has a historical meaning and also a spiritual meaning. The historical meaning, the vine dressers are the religious leaders of Israel. And God entrusted them to watch over his flock, the people of Israel, or to watch over his vineyard. But they abused their authority, they were not faithful, they were not wise. Even when God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, they crucified him and killed him. So, as the Lord said at the end, this will be taken from them and will be given to another vine dressers. And this is exactly what happened. The priesthood, the temple, the worship was taken from the Jewish nation. Until now, their temple is destroyed. They couldn't build it. The tribe of Levi almost disappeared among all the other tribes. They don't have priesthood, nothing. So what the Lord said was literally fulfilled. And God gave the priesthood to the Christian, those who believed in his son, those who accepted the son to be their Lord, their God, and their Savior. There is also a spiritual meaning for this parable. So when he said there was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard, the landowner is God. And the vineyard is the talents or the gift that God gave each one of us. Our time is part of this vineyard. Our money, our health, our bodies, for those who are married, our children. So these are the vineyards. And we should know we are not owners. He is the owner. We are stewards. We are stewards working for him. As St. Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, he created us for him. So we are here to execute his will, not the opposite. Not God is there to execute our will. It is the opposite. We are here, we are living here to execute his will. And also, he gave us everything we need. He set a hedge around it. Hedge like a fence to protect. And the fence that he gave us is the word of God, the commandment. The commandment is given for our protection, to protect our freedom. We are created as free human beings with free will. Then God gave us the commandments to protect our freedom. So this is the hedge. Lest Satan enter and destroy the vineyard. And also he dug a wine press in it. They used to collect the grapes and then they squeeze it in order to make wine. So the fruit in our life should be for serving others. As St. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Serve one another. So this wine press means I will go through difficult way. I will go through the narrow gate in order to serve others. I will be squeezed 
in order to bring joy to the hearts of others. So he gave me the talents in order to use these talents and even to be squeezed, to be pressured, to go through the narrow gate in order to bring joy to the others. And he built a tower. The tower is the church in which we come and we receive our strength, we partake of the sacraments to help us to be in the grace of God. So give us everything we need, the commandment of God, the grace of the Holy Spirit to be able to use our talents to serve one another, and also the church in which we come to be healed from any wounds, any sin, any trespasses, any iniquities. And he listed to vine dressers and went far country. We are the vine dressers. Each one in his responsibility, he is a vine dresser. And he ascended, went to a far country, the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or if we are speaking about the Father right now, he created man and put him in the garden. And after the sin, he was kicked out of the garden. And so now the far country is God is in heaven, but there was enmity between Adam and God because of the disobedience and Adam was kicked into the land. Now when the vintage time drew near, he sent his servant to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. If we understand who are stewards, then with the stewardships come accountability. If you are business owner and you hire people to work for you, you will hold them accountable. So we should not take advantage of these talents and think that we are the owners. God will ask each one of us to give an account of your stewardship. Give an account for your children. Give an account for your money. Give an account for your time. Give your account for your health. How you used all these talents for the glory of God. Sometimes God, during our life here on earth, sent his servants, like Abuna, like a Sunday school servant, like a godly friend, a parent, to ask us, what are you doing in your life? Are you bearing fruit or not? Sometimes we don't like anybody to hold us accountable. That's why when he sent his servants, the vine dressers took his servants beat one, killed one, and stoned another. And we do the same. Beat one, sometimes we beat other people by our word, or stone them by our attitude, or even kill them by avoiding them completely. We don't want to hear from them. Oh, that Sabuna is calling? No, just, I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm not going to reply to him, you know. So it's beating, killing, and stoning, exactly what we do. But God, out of his love, he repeats the message over and over. As he said, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If you open to me, I will come in and dine with you. So he sent other servants. And again, the same way, they beat him, they stoned them, and they killed them. Then at the end, he said, I will send my son, my son. So the voice of the Holy Spirit speaks in me and rebuke me and tell me this is wrong. You have been away from God for a very long time. It's time to return back to God. 
it's time to repent. This fast now is almost the half. Four weeks have gone and only remaining four weeks. So we are in the middle of the fast. What did you do during this fast? If you are wasted the first four weeks, don't waste the remaining four weeks. You need to do something, a voice of God in my heart. And sometimes, many times, we shun this voice. As they said, this is the heir, come let us kill him and seize his inheritance. What does it mean, seize his inheritance? I want to live my life as I want. I don't want to listen to this voice. So I will shun completely this voice. I will kill the son. I don't want to hear his voice. I don't hear somebody tell me, repent, return back to God. This is wrong. You should not do this. Just, I want to live my life as I want to live it. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. So the question that the Lord asked after he said this parable, he told them, when the owner of the vineyard comes in the second coming, when he comes to judge the world, what will he do to those vine dressers? And the answer, the right answer, they told him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruit in their seasons. So this actually, what will happen in the second coming, as we hear in the divine liturgy, he will give each one according to his deeds, whether good or bad. People will be divided into two groups. Those on his right hand, he will tell them, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom that's prepared for you from the foundation of the world, or even before the foundation of the world. And those on his left hand, he will tell them, Depart from me, O evildoers, and to the lake of fire, which was prepared for the devil and his angels. And here, very clear, God prepared the kingdom of heaven to us. But God prepared hell to Satan. But unfortunately, some people, because of their disobedience, they choose to go with the devil to the lake of fire, although God did not prepare the lake of fire for us. If you focus on these words, he said, Come, you bless my Father, inherit the kingdom of God that's prepared for you. But about the hell, he said, that's prepared for the devil and his angels. Then the Lord said about himself, he is the stone, the corner stone. Corner stone, because in the corner, corner stone actually connect three dimensions together. And Jesus Christ is the corner stone, because he reconciled us with God, and reconciled us with others, and reconciled us with ourselves. And Jesus said, the cornerstone that was rejected by the builders, he became the chief cornerstone. So Jesus Christ, who's rejected by the builders, by the scribe, Pharisees, chief priests, high priests, priests, he became the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. The church of God is built on Jesus Christ. As he said to Peter, upon this rock, Jesus Christ, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Then he said, whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grant him 
to powder. I want you to imagine if there is a huge stone, very huge stone, and if somebody falls on this huge stone, what will happen? I have some bruises, maybe some fractures. But if this huge stone fell upon this person, it will kill him. But what does this mean? In the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he came very humble. So those who disobey him, as if they fell on him, they are falling on him. So what will happen to these people? Bruises, fractures. Why? In order to repent and return back to him. So God will allow those who disobey him, those who will not listen to him, maybe suffer some hardships, some affliction, some bruises, some fractures. And the purpose of this, that they may return back to him. But in the second coming, in the second coming, he will be coming from above. So the second coming, he is not coming to save us because the time of salvation is over. But he will come to judge the world in righteousness. That's why in his second coming, as if the stone is coming from above. So those who did not learn from the bruises and the fractures, they will be judged miserably. And actually, as the Lord said, this stone, when it falls on this person, actually, it will grind him to powder, grind him to powder, destroy him completely. Now, actually, we should examine ourselves. We should know that we are a steward. And as a steward, we need to be faithful and wise. Who is wise and faithful steward? In order to bear fruits in our life, are we bearing fruits? Are we serving one another? Are we glorifying God or not? And as I said yesterday in the Bible study, if every night you spend 10 minutes or 15 minutes giving an account of your stewardship, so when God comes and asks you to give an account of your stewardship, you are ready. Because every day you are giving an account of your stewardship. But if you never have this quiet time in which you allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart and to see how I am doing in my life, then when God comes to judge the world, we'll be troubled. We'll, not, we'll be in a bad condition because we are not ready. The scribes, when they heard this parable, now when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parable, they perceived that he was speaking of them. And what was the reaction? They sought to lay hands on him. So they understood the parable very well. And they understood the message very well. And then actually their response, they want to lay hold on him, to kill him, to get rid of him. This reminds me with two persons, King David and King Herod. Both of them actually committed sin. David committed adultery and murder. King Herod married the wife of his brother. And God sent a prophet to these two persons. He sent Nathan to King David and he sent John the Baptist to King Herod. And Nathan, we don't know a lot about him. He was not one of the very famous great prophets like John the Baptist like Samuel, like Elijah. But let us see the response of these two kings. David 
although he was rebuked with a prophet who is not famous, not renowned, he actually accepted the word of God. And he said, I have sinned. And when Nathan pronounced the discipline of the Lord, he accepted. He did not argue about it. But King Herod, although he was rebuked by a famous prophet, we read about Herod, he was respecting John the Baptist. He knew, it's written in the scripture, he knows that he is a righteous and a holy man. He enjoyed listening to him. So God did not send King Herod a non-famous prophet like what he did with David. But Herod did not like the rebuke of John the Baptist, neither Herodia. And what he did at the end, he killed John the Baptist. Sometimes God sends us people to rebuke us and to tell us, you're wrong. We become defensive, we attack back, we avoid this person, we refuse to talk. Although deep down in our hearts, we know that we are wrong. And instead of using this opportunity to repent and thank God that he sent us somebody to tell us that you are wrong to rebuke me, but usually our first reaction is to be defensive and attack back. But who's going to lose at the end? It's me. Can you imagine yourself? You are in exam and then one of your professors looked at the paper of your answers and told you there is question wrong here, you need to correct it. Are you going to get angry at him? Are you going to thank him? And I appreciate that he is helping you to have right answers. But when it comes to our spiritual life, we become angry, become defensive, we reply back, we don't listen. But at the end, we will lose. Where are the chief priests right now of Israel? Where are the priests? Where are the scribes? Where are the Pharisees? The kingdom of God was taken from them and was given to another nation, the Christian. So while we are in the middle of the fast right now, the church is giving us this parable today to tell us, examine yourself. Judge yourself before you will be judged. If you judge yourself, you will not be judged in the last day. If you repent and return back to God, then in the last day, you will hear this beautiful voice. Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom that's prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.